Welcome to the next podcast from Millinery Info. I'm your host, Lauren Ritchie. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Millinery Info, where we welcome milliners from across the globe into your ears and studio. Today, we have Misa Harada in the podcast. Misa is a London-based milliner who shares her work in over 100 retail outlets across 15 countries. This year, Misa designed the pin for the Wear a Hat Day brooch in support of brain tumour research. Thank you to our wonderful podcast sponsors, Hat Academy, Millinery Australia, Hatter's Millinery Supplies, House for Dawn, Judith M. Millinery Supply House, Hats by Liku, Be Unique Millinery, Lifted Millinery, Louise McDonald Milliner, The Hat Magazine. And we're also pleased to welcome Hatblocks Australia as our latest podcast sponsor. Thank you so much to Daryl and Renee for their support. You can find a link to each of these businesses in our show notes. That's how you've been enjoying this series. A way to say thank you and to help us to keep bringing you this fantastic content is to become a Patreon of Millinery Info. There are three different tiers and the first one is as little as a coffee each month when you listen to the new episode. Head over to patreon.com forward slash millinery info to find out more. I hope you enjoy this episode with Misa. so much Misa for joining me today for this episode of Millinery Info. It's wonderful to be meeting you from across the globe today. Thank you so much for being with me. Thank you for inviting me. Let's dive back to the beginning of your millinery career first. How did you first become involved with Hats and Millinery? This was totally by uh, accident, Um, a happy accident really. Um, (laughs) <laughs> I actually came to the UK when I was 17, 18, actually, to go to university, University of London, to do something completely academic, nothing to do with art. But uh, that was in the end, the end of 80s, and I was really into fashion and streetwear. So uh, naturally, I started going clubbing, and uh, that was the height of 80s. And uh, I realized, okay, maybe I can read books and write essays maybe later on in my life. And I just wanted to dive into fashion. So I convinced my parents and uh, moved my college to an art college. Then um, eventually I was studying fashion design at Sully Institute of Art. And the millinery course was actually the part of this uh, course and uh, millinery tutor, my millinery tutor then was Charlie Hex. Yes. She's a legendary milliner who also taught at the Royal College of Art. Uh, Philip Tracy trained under her, and obviously she taught Stephen Jones as well. So Charlie's larger than life personality and her passion for art and her innovative approach. <laughs> was so inspirational, although I fell in love with the millinery totally. You know, it was like a disease and (laughs) yeah, so I was totally, yeah, uh, fascinated by it. So after that, my goal was to get into the RCA to pursue millinery under Shirley's tutorage, which is exactly what I did, yes. Wow. And were you making streetwear pieces then? Um, I was always wearing hat. Uh, obviously, I, I must be must have been a part of my look, I guess. And uh, still now, I still think 
the hat can finish off your outfit. But yes, I was hugely into streetwear and yeah, so yeah, but I wasn't really creating, it wasn't really my creation. I think only after I met Shirley, I started to make my own hats. Yeah. And from going to um, the Royal Chelsea College, how did you go about launching your own label? Were you working with other people or did you dive straight in? So uh, after Royal College of Art, I went to work for Frederick Fox, who was the royal appointed milliner. And uh, so I got to design lots of hats for the Queen and uh, making hats for the aristocrats and royal families here in the UK. And um, I, while I was, even though it was such an amazing job, I started to question uh, the future of millinery. I was about 20, late 20s then, and um, I realized none of my peers or uh, the generation were interested in wearing hats. So I thought, why why don't I start a label where I can create more affordable hats, but still using the element of crucial technique? So I introduced my own, that's how I came to launch my own business, really. Yeah. Oh, wow. And how did you go about that process? Were you making samples? Were you sourcing existing ones? What, would, what did the design process look like in the early days? Back in the early days, um, um, really, actually, my business skills was nurtured by Frederick Fox. Frederick Fox, Mr. Frederick Fox really taught me um, the basis of business and how to go about in doing wholesale. So um, I would research and source fabrics, and then I would create a mood board and and... And uh, really, I just started to design based on really the story behind of the collection. And really, fabric was really my uh, inspiration. Yes. Amazing. And how has that process changed to where your business is at today? Are you still working in the same way? Fundamentally, yes. But now we have three lines, which is one is called Allure, which is uh, occasional lines. And one is called Lux, which is a block-shaped hats line where we um, um, block the shapes in Luton in England and we hand-finish them all here. And the last line would be more commercial line, which we call essential lines, uh, fabric hats, which is more, more like how I started. So that's much more affordable in price and uh, more, uh, yes, trend uh, focused, I guess. Yes. Yeah. And what does your team look like? How many people are part of that? Um, we have a very small team now uh, of three of us. Um, we all sit in the same table and, uh, you know, and yes, uh, sit there and make hats all day, really. Yeah. A great table to be around. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned about uh, Freddie being a mentor for um, wholesaling and get, getting you started there. How mm -hmm. do you structure your business at the moment? Are you wholesaling? Are you direct to customer? 
Yes, we, so now I have a shop here. So we do have, you know, um, walking customers and we do make made to order by appointments. But uh, our main business is still in wholesale. So, um, yeah. And funnily enough, um, my biggest market's still in Japan and mainly Far East countries. And, uh, you know, because they're more, I guess, fashion conscious and they like wearing hats. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you get to travel to um, visit your wholesalers? Yes, um, yes, I actually, I am actually going to Japan in a few weeks' time uh, to conduct sales, and uh, they're actually having my retrospective exhibition in Shizuoka, so uh, where I get to meet a public people and uh, take some orders, yeah. yeah. Wow. Can you tell us about the retrospective? How did that come about and what's going to be included? Yeah, so, so my first one was uh, held in Tokyo back in nine, 2019, I think. And uh, then it was already a talk about moving this exhibition to Shizuoka. That's where the Mount Fuji is. And sadly, it never happened. So the, the, this um, conversation started again last year, I guess, after the pandemic and Japan now started to open. Yes. So they came to me and said if I was interested and I said yeah I didn't think twice of course yes <laughs> and how is it to be um because you, you're from Japan originally yes, I, um yeah. how is it to be um taking your pieces home and to celebrate your amazing career so far there um still very abstract really um Yes, um, and obviously I've never been to Shizuoka. Actually, I am from Japan, but I spent very little time in Japan. So <laughs> I got to travel in Japan. So uh, it's very exciting to see the other parts of Japan because I normally go to Tokyo for business, but I never really have a chance to go to Shizuoka. So that's a very uh, beautiful city, I understand, and uh, obviously we have Mount Fuji and all the natures there. So very interesting, very interesting, yeah. very exciting. Yes. And what? How did the exhibition get curated? What got to go into it? Yes. Um. Um. So the the people who organised this are aware of my work from my previous exhibition. So. Uh, um, I just had to present a few more pieces, incorporate a bit more wearable pieces so the public can, public can get to try, try them on and, and touch it. So, uh, yes, so there will be a mix of uh, try it on straight uh, pieces along with more um, curated pieces. Oh, it's so exciting to see, and it's wonderful that they're celebrating you and your successes, both locally and overseas as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, and one of the projects you've worked on recently that I'd love to hear about is you were involved with the Brain Tumor Research Pin. Um, you designed this year's brooch. Could you tell us a bit about how that came about and the process? Yes, um... So when I was asked to design a brooch with one of my creations, this love hat, which I made back in 2018, came to my mind straight away. This is one of the most 
I'm proud of, and actually it was very technically challenging to, to make, you know, incorporating the neon lighting and the battery pack inside, but without compromising the flow and line of the hat. So, um, and also I'm very proud of the message behind the hat, which is one of inclusion, celebrating our difference and, and loving ourselves as we are. Hello there. And what was the process for getting it from like a physical hat into the brooch format? It's, it's actually thanks to brain people behind Brain Tumor Research Organization. Um, I just had to present a sketch and uh, they were very good in, you know, interpreting my design. And uh, when they came back to the initial design, I was really happy. Yes, I'm very very proud of the final products, really, yes. That's so exciting. And so for those who might not be aware of the project, could you tell us a little bit about what it is and what it raises funds for? Yes, this brain tumor research is obviously um, uh, fundraising uh, um, organisation and to bring people, people's awareness and raise funds for such you know underrated research really um, this is uh, brain tumor research is not funded by government here and totally independent and uh, and uh, I thought you know that you know, what a privilege to be involved in such amazing cause really yeah. How exciting, how exciting. And do you still have the original hat that inspired? Yes, I do. I do. Actually, I had to wear one. Um, I was wearing one the other day <laughs> with a brooch. So, yes. Oh, how, oh that's fantastic. <laughs> and, uh, I should put that in uh, social media soon. <laughs> but I was like, yes, yes. And you mentioned that the original one had some lights and some... Yes additional details do you commonly yeah. include those features in your work um no actually um that collection was uh, actually inspired by um life in tokyo in in life in tokyo of the 80s so there was lots of messages and lights incorporated in that collection so but you know that uh, love being love i really wanted to shout it wear it on the sleeves or wear it on your hat <laughs> yeah and how do you go about designing a collection like that uh so normally every season, I don't even push myself. There's always something that I'm influenced by, whether it could be an artist or the movie I saw or somewhere that I went my holiday. By the time I get to design a collection, I normally have something that I wanted to base on. Then, then always I, as I said from the beginning, I always source fabrics and create the mood board. Uh, according to the theme of the collection. And uh, after that, I start sketching, yes. Yeah. Do you sketch every one of your designs? Yes, I do. <laughs> tiny, tiny doodle drawings, really. <laughs> but, uh, yes, <laughs> I do, yes. But you and your team know what that means, and that's what's important, it sounds like. 
Yes, yes. My <laughs> sketchbooks always messy. Yes, but they were very good at you know understanding my handwriting and sketches. Really, yes. Yeah. And because you do wholesale in that way, do you have set times throughout the year that you know you need to push or a collection yes. or you, yeah. you're in design a design phase of it? How does that work across your yeah? So yes, because we do wholesale, like you say, uh, we have to ship our say spring summer um actually at the end of January and uh, autumn winter at the end of July. So it's it's more it's like a very go round of fashion. So I always have to have new collection ready to be, you know, um, yeah, to, ready to go on sale by the end of September, which is for spring summer, and uh, autumn winter by the end of February to go. And then I just came back from Paris last week, so we were selling the autumn winter for next year. So uh, I always have a sort of, yes, like you say, by August, I have to be thinking of spring, summer and finish designing, sampling by the end of September, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yes, such a tight, it's it's cyclic and it just keeps yeah. rolling around for it you. never stops. <laughs> And how was Paris? Were you at a trade show? What was what were you? Yes, that was yes. Paris was great because um actually I was I've been showing in Paris for the last 25 years, since 1998, when I <laughs> launched my own brand. First place to showcase my collection was in Paris. Then the then the pandemic came, we couldn't travel so uh, I didn't go to Paris for two and a half years and Brexit came as well so it made it very very difficult for us to to sell in Europe so um so last season was the first season I went back after two and a half years and uh, it was still very quiet and not many international buyers were there but I thought, no, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to try one more season and see what happens. And uh, actually this time, there were a lot of international uh, buyers, including Australian buyers. So, um, yeah, so we got to meet lots of new customers. And, uh, yeah, feedback was very good. Yeah, so I'm very, very happy. Yeah. Wonderful. And when you go, are you attending, for those who may not, Know this process. Um, are you attending a trade show or are you arranging meetings to go to specific buyers? How does that work? So Paris, we always take part in the trade shows. Uh, the biggest accessory shows is called Premier Class. And uh, there are lots of hat uh, companies from Europe, other side of Europe, and American hat buyers, I mean, hat designers too. And um and in Tokyo, we make a point. We have our own showroom where we can meet all our buyers and invite them. Yes. Great. Yeah. Such an exciting process. And it's wonderful to hear you had a, a great trip and were able to reconnect with probably some old friends and some new connections as well. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I'm very happy. Yeah. That's great. So you've just been to Paris. Hopefully you've just had a very good season. Um, what's next on your project list? What's coming up for you? 
I was I couldn't really rehearse for this yesterday because I suddenly was I was given this commission, which I can't really talk about. And I had to submit all my designs yesterday. I only had a day to to sketch and you know source the material. So um so I finally submitted my works at 10 10:30 last night. So yeah, so so um you know, yeah, watch this space. Yes. Oh, we will wait to see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, do you um how do you go with that? You know, you're traveling, um, you've got your team that's dependent on you as well. How do you go with the I don't like the word balance, but um keeping that all flowing and going, there's um there's a lot to be, you know, got a day's turnaround. How do you what keeps you sane in that and where do you find those moments of rejuvenation? Um, I, I'm not actually working as hard as I was, you know, when I was younger. Um, now I have my own family, and my boy is now nine years old. So, um, you know, spending time with my family definitely uh, keeps me grounded and relaxed, really. And uh, um, yes, my hobbies actually, I, I'm a keen surfer. I mean, I love to go to Australia one day, but <laughs> I've never been. So uh, yeah, so I get to travel a lot to surf, and you know, yeah, that's my sort of yes escape, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's been so lovely to chat hats with you. We're going to have to keep our eyes peeled for this secret design project. Uh-huh. It was wonderful to speak to you, Misa. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for your invitation. Really thrilled. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Melanie Info with Misa. Thank you to our wonderful podcast sponsors for their support of this series. Hat Academy, Millinery Australia, Hatter's Millinery Supplies, Hats of Adorn, Judith M. Millinery Supply House, Hats by Liku, Big Nick Millinery, Lifted Millinery, Louise McDonald Milliner, The Hat Magazine, and we're welcoming Hat Blocks Australia to our Patreon list. You can find a link to each of our podcast sponsors in your show notes. That's either in the podcast app that you're listening on or through our website. If you would like to hear your business name mentioned here, head over to our Patreon page to find out to become a podcast sponsor. If you'd like to show your support, but not necessarily would like to hear your name mentioned, you can also find some other tiers that allow this. You can find out more at www.patreon.com forward slash millinery info. You can also find the link in the show notes as well. I'm your host, Lauren Ritchie. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Millinery Info, and I look forward to talking hats with you again soon.